Isaiah 55, 6 through 8 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We're going to talk about that a little bit today on this episode. God's riches at Christ's expense. In so merciful, so patient, so long-suffering. The Lord is so good to, to put up with us who is in constant rebellion. Here's the thing. I, I think that maybe if it's just that we don't think it's that big of a deal. In fact, maybe you hear me talking about sin all the time. You're like, gosh, I mean, are you just obsessed with sin? Are you just obsessed with, I mean, lighten up, dude. I mean, seriously, the majority of our sins are not that big of a deal. And I was raised thinking that there are, not thinking, but uh, taught and believed that there are two different types of sins. Like there are little white lies, right? Just little infractions. And then there are like major sins. So those little sins, those little white lies I grew up, those were called venial sins. No big deal. I mean, you should apologize for them and it's not right and it's certainly not helpful, but it's not a big deal. But then there was another kind of sin called a mortal sin. And those kind of sins were a really big deal. And so if you think about it, kind of like the the law, you know, it's kind of like if you get, uh, you know, the cops will give you five over on the speed limit. And so I got pulled over doing eight over I mean, you're right. It's not good. I shouldn't speed, but I got a ticket going eight over. I pay my fine. I move on. And it's not that big of a deal. It's not like I'm going to court, going to jail, anything like that. But then there are serious crimes out there that you do go to jail for. You do serious time. And uh, those are, no, those, those are the types of violations we really have to be careful to avoid because you shouldn't ever commit some kind of a crime that would land you in jail. Do you view your sin that way uh, with God? Do you view your sin as two different categories? You have the little infractions, which is NBD, now big D. And then there's the other uh, violations that are serious uh, sins against God. And those are the ones that I really, I really have to stop and confess and go talk to somebody and confess to them and, and apologize and be restored. Or maybe you think there's the little sins that you can get away with in your church that nobody would say a big, really anything about, but there's the bigger sins that they would actually like, the church would actually like maybe uh, sit down and want to meet with you. And we got to, we got, we got something we got to talk about. And so those two different types of sins carry two different types of uh, remorse, right? And so there is, uh, for the most part, most worldly uh, remorse, or I guess you could call it repentance. It's not really repentance. It's more remorse. It's like, well, I'm embarrassed and I'm sorry that I got caught. And uh, I mean, now that I'm caught, 
And I, I have to say that uh, I'm sorry that I got caught. Uh, and uh, like I said, I am embarrassed. And, uh, you know, if I caused any, any hard feelings or harm towards anybody else, of course, that wasn't my intent. I was, hey, I was being selfish. And uh, anyways, yeah, this is embarrassing, right? That's not repentance. And I think that we view our sin with God is kind of like that parking infraction. And a book that I really enjoy that uh, we started uh, reading through in a class at church that I really liked it. And we just bought, I don't know how many copies of this, several. And uh, we keep several copies in the car. This is just a book that I just love to give away to people. It's so good. It's by Greg Gilbert, and it's called What is the Gospel? And uh, in there, he's talking about kind of this this same idea of just, uh, you know, how we view our sin before God and how a lot of times we just view it as like a, a parking infraction. And he says, you know, technically, you know, we think, yeah, yeah, you know, technically sin is a violation of the law handed down by God. And, you know, obviously there's bigger criminals out there than me, you know, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm out there committing big crimes, you know, and, and, you know, nobody's hurt. I'll pay the fine. We'll both just move on. Right. Not, not a need for a lot of soul searching over this one. And I think that has to do with the way that we well, it does. It comes back to how we view God. Uh, and I, I say this quote all the time in the, and people in our circle repeat this quote all the time, but it's just because it's so true. The most important thing about you as a person is what comes into your mind when you think of who God is. And because we do think of God as, well, he's loving, he's patient, He's merciful. He's understanding. And he, you know, I mean, he gets it. He knows I'm not perfect. He knows I'm sincere, but I'm not perfect, obviously. And so I think God overlooks the majority of my sin. What an extremely faulty view. And that view will keep you out of heaven. But let's talk a little bit about this here and kind of think through it. Because it's not that it's just these little impersonal infractions, you know, it's not like you're, it's not like a, a heavenly traffic violation uh, with God. This is the breaking of a relationship. Really? Even a small sin? Yes. It is a rejection of God himself. Really? Just a little white lie? Yes a repudiation of God's rule. Even if I just, you know, gossip about somebody. Yes. A rejection of God's care. You know, what about if I'm just alone, nobody else gets hurt and I just see something I shouldn't see or, or think something I shouldn't think. Yes. It is a rejection of God's authority. Yeah, but come on. I mean, you know, I mean, sin wells up in the heart all the time. And as long as I don't act on it, it's okay, right? No, no. Sin is a rejection of God's right to command those 
to whom he gave life. In short, it is the rebellion of the creature against his creator, Greg Gilbert writes. So let's go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Kind of got to go all the way back to the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. He owns everything. He created everything for his glory, right? So he created us. He owns us. And when Adam and Eve bit into that fruit, Greg Gilbert writes, they weren't just violating some arbitrary command. Don't eat the fruit. It was much bigger than that. Something much more serious. They were rejecting God's authority over them and they declared independence. The day that Adam and Eve ate the fruit, it was Independence Day in the Garden of Eden and they were stepping out from under God's authority. They were taking sovereign control of their lives and the direction they made and the decisions they made. And if you think about it, God had placed everything under their feet. It was a theocracy under God as the head. Under God, Adam and Eve were on the earth and had authority over all the earth and would rule over all the earth. The only thing not placed under Adam's feet was God himself. And yet Adam decided that that arrangement was not good enough for him. And so he rebelled. And thus it began, right? All have sinned. They pursued their own pleasure and their own glory. The Bible calls this disobedience of God's commands, whether in word, thought, or deed, it's sin. How do you define sin? That's Greg Gilbert's definition he shares with us. The Bible calls disobedience of God's command, whether in word, thought, or deed, but if you think about it, really, I mean, really anything opposed to the nature of God is sin. Like God is good and perfect and holy. And anything that is not good and perfect and holy is opposed to God's, na God's nature. And, and that is sin. When we do anything that is opposed to God's nature before we were in harmony with God, we were aligned with God. We did what was good and what was holy and what was pure. Our thoughts were pure. Our motives were pure. Our worship was pure. When we stepped out from under God's authority and we became independently ruled, we rejected the authority of God. And we became selfish. And really, ultimately, if you think about it, the difference between... Um, Righteousness and sin is the difference between love and hate. Pride, sin, selfishness, all, all sin is selfishness. Love gives, sin takes, always. So we no longer gave worship to God. We gave our allegiance and obedience to God in love. Instead, in sin, we took. And you know, it. Uh, in, Satan is saying, um, in the day that you eat of it, you will become like him. Like that's what was, you know, Satan's uh, 
was filled with pride and wanted to become like God. And I don't know if this was just straight up deception. We always just talk about it like it's just straight up deception. But at this point, I don't know if Satan was just, was he still seeking to be like God saying, no, no, come on. Like God has angels and God has created humans to be his followers and his worshipers to serve him. And, and Satan wanted to be like God. So he convinced a third of the angels to follow him in the fall. And now here he is. I want, I want mankind to, to follow me too in my rebellion against God. And so he says, eat the fruit, step out from under the authority of God, because he just knows that in the day that you eat of it, you will be like him. And so you have like just this, this rebellion, this sinfulness, this selfishness that took root in the garden of Eden. It is not a minor infraction. Even a minor sin is not a minor infraction. We are going in the opposite direction now. Like we have declared our independence day. We climbed on that throne room in our heart. We walked into the throne room. We ripped God off the throne and we climbed in that chair and we sat down and we declared ourselves Lord of our lives. So to human hearts that stubbornly think of themselves as basically good and self-sufficient, This idea that human beings are fundamentally sinful and rebellious is not merely scandalous. It is revolting, says Greg Gilbert. And so he goes on talking about confusing sin with sin's effects. And and he starts understanding the predicament that we're in. We have disobeyed God's word. We have ignored his commands and we have sinned against him. And so this This allows us, you know, to sit and think that, um, you know, really I'm the victim here. This is such a, this is so good. Let me find this. He says to talk about salvation being from meaningless or purposelessness without tracing those things down to their root in sin may make the medicine go down easier, but it is the wrong medicine. This man-centered, weak gospel, you know, that we're uh, exposed to in the world today, this uh, gospel light that is self-focused, you know, when people talk about the gospel, it's about you. It's all about you. And it's rarely about God. And so because you have a man-centered gospel, poor man, he has become the victim He's the victim of sin. And that's kind of our view of of everything nowadays, right? We're victims of everything. He says, you know, that kind of thinking, it allows a person to continue to think of himself as a victim. And it never really deals with the fact that he himself is the criminal, unrighteous, and deserving of judgment. I mean, I don't know. How many excuses do you hear? Sin is not negative thinking. Another misunderstanding of sin is to say that it's just a matter of negative thinking. Uh, Greg Gilbert says, that's probably why men who proclaim that message have managed to build some of the largest churches in the world. The formula is really pretty easy. Just tell people that their sin is no deeper than negative thinking 
and that it's holding them back from health, wealth, and happiness. Then tell them that if they'll just think more positively about themselves, hold on, I said that in the wrong voice. You know, if you'll just think of yourself as more positively, you know, think more positive about yourself with God's help, of course, you can get rid of your sin and get rich to boot. Bingo, Instant Mega Church. This book is so good, man. I just, this is one of those that I just like to go back and read every now and then. Man. So here we go. Uh, let's see, where are we? Oh, yeah. Every mouth will be silenced. The whole world will be held accountable to God. Can you even imagine what that will mean to stand before God and to have no explanation, no plea, no excuse, no case? We will stand before God and be held accountable. Oh, man, that's going to be a big, big deal. That's why it's important for us to sit and read books like Paul's letter to the Romans. That's a good one if you haven't spent any time in it lately. Anyways, this is, um, did you hear our episode on evangelism for chickens? We were talking about in evangelism for chickens, the uh, just these four basic categories: God, man, Jesus, and the response of sinners. And so, kind of the way we were explaining it, if you missed the episode, is that uh, think of these four rooms: God, man, Christ, and sinners' response. And we are taking a step up to the door and when we're um, evangelizing but not just evangelizing I want you to kind of apply this to your own life in the way you think and read so as you step up to the first door there's a plaque over the top of the door real big it says God he created and owns everything he's perfectly holy and he demands perfect holiness and then of course we had a memory verse for each one of those. God created and owns everything. He is perfectly holy and he demands perfect holiness. Like we can step up, we can see that sign and we can read the description of God. And we got a few verses there to tell us about that, to inform us. So you're stepping up to the door and sometimes you take a step into the door. But as you read your Bible every day, the reason why we are reading, because as you stand there and you're viewing that door, uh, before you enter in, you see in there that there is a bright white light in there. And that bright white light just reflects just the knowledge of God that is sitting on those shelves, like just a massive library behind that door of all that we know about God and who he is. There's some people that have uh, very limited information behind that door. So as you are reading pick up your Bible, start reading. And as you start reading, start filing things away, highlight it in your Bible. It is not a sin to highlight and to underline in your Bible. When you see something that tells you about who God is, highlight it, use different colors. If you like get four different colors, highlight it and begin to build a depth of your knowledge of God and who he is. And when you step up to the man door, it says, man, he's broken God's law. He will pay sin's penalty, eternal death. And 
good works will not save you. Okay. Now, based on that title, that subpoint, we've stepped up to that door. We've got a, a brief glimpse from God's word of who uh, we are and, and what we're like. And, and we start to build this depth of knowledge behind that door of our rebellion against sin. And in light of what we know in the first door, just the depth of our knowledge of who God is, that quickly informs our knowledge of who we are. So God is the first one that we are reading to know and to study. And we want to know what he's like because all these other attributes kind of start like magnets. They start snapping together and everything kind of starts falling in place. If you get God right, the most important thing about you as a person is what comes into your mind when you think of who God is. And when you understand that is not just a, a small infraction between buddies. No, this is the holy God of the universe. And you, anything that wells up in your heart and your mind that is opposed to the perfect nature of God, anything that is not so pure and holy and righteous and good, it is sin. And in light of that, you start to see the depth of your sin and the holiness of God. And you realize that God is so holy that sin cannot approach him. It's like there's a force that repels sin. And mankind, the sinfulness in us is so great that it wells up that we bristle at anything holy. We don't like holiness. We don't like a holy God and anything holy that comes towards us. We repel that. So you have a holy God repelling sinful man and you have sinful man that repels a holy God. And we are moving apart from each other. And we have no hope of ever coming together. You think you are going to die and suddenly snap together with God. He is repulsed and repelled by your sin. And you are repulsed and repelled by a holy God. Like your worst nightmare is ever thinking that eternity might be like eternal church service. Uh, now me, that excites me. <laughs> that excites me. I want to worship God forever because I love him and who he is. And I understand his holiness. And that is a good thing. And it illuminates the depth of my sin. Absolutely. Do I deserve hell? Absolutely. I deserve hell, but he did an amazing thing. And that while I made myself an enemy of his, he sent his perfect son to die on the cross, to take the full wrath of God that I deserved on the cross so that I could be set free from my sin just by faith. I can come back to God and he will restore me and save me by faith, not in anything that I've done, but he saves me on what he did. He did it. All of us like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way, but God causes the iniquity of us all to fall on him. That's Isaiah 53, 6. All of us like sheep have gone astray, each to his own way, but God has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, Christ, on the cross, so that God made him who knew no sin 
to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Therefore, we have been justified. We have peace with God through his son, through the shedding of his blood. Uh, So Romans 6.23 says, um, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We've been set free. The polarity of your heart will change where before as sin welled up and you bristled and you you repelled a holy God, he will create a new heart in you that something just changes in there. I don't know. It's like, it's not religion. Religion tries to make you create this, this holy outward appearance. Like, like they're trying to work holiness from the outside in. And they're like, look, I know that we're unholy, but maybe if we act holy long enough, we can be made holy internally. That's not how it works. You can never work holiness from the outside in. God has to change the polarity of your heart where he was repelled by sin. You repelled his holiness, and now he will create in you a new heart, one that is attracted to him, his holiness. You want to come back under submission to God. You want to come back under the authority of God. He created you. He owns you. He loves you. He will lead you through this life and into eternal life. Come be restored. Come back under the authority of God. That's what he loves. That's what glorifies him. That's what we were created for, to be under his authority, to love and worship him. And he loves and cares for us, his creation. So what we do is we turn. You are going this way. Turn. Come back under the authority of God. Come follow him. Follow Christ. You're going to be a follower of Christ now, a disciple of Christ. Can you call yourself a disciple of Jesus? If not, you have not yet been restored. You have to repent. That means turn, follow him, believe that he has paid for your the penalty of your sin on the cross. You've been set free. You've been declared not guilty. God sees you through the blood of Christ. That means he sees you in the same way that he sees his son as perfect and sinless, but I still sin. I know. And he still sees you as perfectly sinless because every sin you'll ever commit has already been paid for on the cross. And you say, woohoo, now we can go sin. Shall we continue in sin so that his grace may abound? May it never be, Paul says. May it never be. Repent, believe, come back under his authority, and man, life gets really good. Not health, wealth, and prosperity, but our relationship to a holy God. And he will make us like his son. He will bring us home and give us eternal life. That is the gospel. This is Letters in Grace. Letters in Grace.